Hi guys, before I get into the episode, I just wanted to say a special thank you to Faith Collides listeners, Betsy and Hunter Raleigh. Without them introducing me to Robert Dale, this episode would not have been possible. If you're like the Raleigh's and like the show and think you know someone who would be a good fit, please feel free to reach out to me on our website. Pointed his finger at me and he said, what do you think is the best way that we could conceive of how to support a major attack? Now, no one in that room had ever been asked a question like that. None of us had ever been confronted with a dilemma. How would you support a heavy armored division attacking at great speed across hundreds of miles of desert? And I think that God came upon me and gave me words, technical, that were forward-thinking, that were conceptual. From Lux Mundi, you're listening to Faith Collides. It's a show about industry leaders and the stories behind how faith plays into life at work. I'm Grace Wong. And on today's show, General Robert Dale shares his career highs and lows as a military logistics expert for the U.S. Army, and then how he transitions into the commercial world to become an executive at a multi-million dollar logistics services company. Now he's a highly sought after board advisor to military focused companies across a number of industries. Robert, who also goes by Bob, is not just any military logistics expert. He's actually a retired Lieutenant General, which means he has three stars. And while you might not have heard of Robert, you might have heard of David Petraeus, a retired four-star general and the former CIA director of the United States. So their story goes back to 1989. David was leading an infantry battalion with hundreds of soldiers, and Robert was there to bring supplies. We were young officers and we were out there at Fort Irwin, California, and we were out two weeks in the desert. It was very difficult to keep track of Dave because he was always moving. He was always trying to conceal his movements. So I was trying to catch him and find him in the desert. Uh I got a note from him, a very cryptic note over the radio that said, I am thirsty. And um, that's all I knew. And so I thought to myself, well, I tell you what, we will really have some fun with this. And this is how David Petraeus described Robert's response to that cryptic note. Bob's unblinking response was, where do you want it delivered? And the next thing you know, we saw the arrival of low boy trucks full of pallets of not only Gatorade, but also ice and a variety of other items that helped our infantrymen enormously. And I should note that he provided the forklifts to take the pallets off the low boy too. So that's what Robert did in the army. He didn't fight, but he planned, procured, and distributed all sorts of things like weapons, vehicles, food, and shelter to support the troops on the ground. And on the day of Robert's retirement in 2008, David Petraeus was there to recognize his service. At this time, General Petraeus will present certificates and letters of congratulation in recognition of Lieutenant General Dale's faithful and honorable service. I extend the department's thanks and appreciation for all you have done for our nation. I wish you and your family all the best for the future. Robert received an honorable ceremony for 33 years of remarkable service in the U.S. Army. But the truth is, Robert wasn't ready to retire. He was just 55 years old when his time was up as a three-star general. 
Robert opens up on what it was like to climb the ranks in the U.S. Army, how he believes his hard work and God's timing allowed him to reach rank number 15 out of 1.5 million soldiers, but also what happened when he didn't receive a four-star promotion. While you might not understand a whole lot about how the military works, you might be able to relate to what it's like to not get promoted, to be at a fork in your career, or to not be doing what you thought you'd be doing when he graduated. Robert's career was completely different from what he had expected. He didn't plan to go into the military. He didn't even see a future in it. Robert grew up in a small town in Virginia. His father was a blue-collar government worker at the naval base, and his mother stayed at home to take care of the three of them. And they all grew up in an 850-square-foot house. We didn't have a whole lot. We had food on the table and clothes to wear, and we had each other. And I was the middle child of three children. What was that like? I was always trying to overachieve. Mm. You know, my older brother was getting the attention. My younger sister was the baby girl, and I was in the middle. And uh, I was trying very, very hard to overachieve, to gain recognition. Mm-hmm. You know, my view of life was that I was going to leave home and uh, go to college, and I was going to make something big out of myself. And my parents would be proud of me. What were you thinking about what you wanted to do with your career? My plans all along, which stemmed all the way back to my days when I grew up as a middle child and overachieved, was to graduate from college, go to law school, become a very successful lawyer, live a very comfortable lifestyle, and then enter politics and run for elected office, serve my state, serve my nation as a, as a politician. So that was my plan. So from a young age, Robert had already determined what he saw as success. He had a plan for how he would achieve his career goals. But he also recalls a time when he had a life-changing moment. It was during a summer vacation Bible school that I think that Christ was knocking on my heart. Mm-hmm. And I accepted Christ as my Savior. It was a great day. It was June 1963. I'll never forget it. I just turned 10. What's something you remember about it? The stories that you hear about people in the Bible and about how Jesus saves people and how he calls them, you know, the disciples and stories about meeting the disciples and said, I, I, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I felt like, you know, maybe I need to be uh, a fisher of men out there. When Robert got into the University of Richmond, he says he got caught up in the college life, into fraternities and parties. But two things happened that would impact his future. One was meeting his wife, Anne. Anne was just a freshman when Robert was a junior, and her strong faith would strengthen Robert's. Secondly, Robert got exposed to the Army through ROTC, the Reserve Officers Training Corps, a military college program. But he didn't take it too seriously when he joined. You know, I joined ROTC because I was from a a blue-collar background, and I needed financial assistance to go to college. I was a mediocre average ROTC cadet. Why is that? Not because I didn't like ROTC, but it was because I did not see that as my future. In fact, it was very difficult for me to get, get extremely motivated. Robert was also unmotivated there because he didn't get to do what he wanted to. I wanted to be in the artillery. I wanted to fire the artillery. They asked me, they, they didn't ask me. They said, well, the Army's giving you logistics. They're going to give you transportation. What did you think when they told you that? 
I was depressed. I was very upset about it. I said, I can't believe I'm going to be a transportation officer that's going to worry about supply and maintenance and distribution and warehouses and trucks and all those kinds of things. I said, I, I, nobody wants to be a logistician. I didn't really know a lot about it, but I got into it. You know what? I was a natural fit for logistics. Despite being good at logistics, Robert didn't give ROTC a second thought when he graduated. His plan was to become a lawyer and enter politics. So what happened when you applied to law school? Well, when I applied to law school and I had been told by professors, look, you're going to get in. I had judges that wrote letters on my behalf and I thought I was going to go in. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, I did not get in. And that was a great shock. That was a great disappointment. Robert was devastated, but he worked with what he had. He knew he wanted to be close to campus to keep dating Anne. He also realized he had a backup. Because he had completed ROTC, Robert was able to join the U.S. Army as an officer with a college degree. I set off on that road, not, not happy, but it was something that I had to endure. But all along, I was going to sit there and I was saying to myself that this is going to this is going to still work out. I'm going to I'm going to go in the army for 2 years and I'm going to wait for my wife to graduate so we can be married and then I will apply to law school again at that point and I will I will continue my plan in life. After 2 years in the army, Robert reapplied to law school and this time he got in. But the positive experience in the army left him and Anne uncertain about leaving the army life behind just yet. Late 1979 we are thinking to ourselves, okay, it is time to do this. But a funny thing happened. My wife and I both enjoyed the Army life, the, the experiences that we were having, meeting all kinds of interesting people. And a lot of those people were coming back from Europe, had enjoyed the life of travel. It was not like it is today. The, most Americans weren't traveling overseas. And we had this great opportunity to go and live over there in Germany and travel all over Europe. And we looked at each other and we said, you know, let's go to Europe for three years and we'll come back and then we'll, we'll know whether or not we want to stay for a career or whether we'll get out then and, and you can pursue your dream. After three years in Germany, Robert wasn't sure about law school anymore. He was doing extremely well, winning awards, receiving promotions, and really finding enjoyment in what he was doing. He says he and Anne started to pray about the situation and felt God was saying to stay in the Army. But at the same time, Robert was afraid to get pigeonholed in logistics for the Army. But something happened that he didn't expect right when he needed to make a decision about going back to law school. And while that was going on in Germany, I was notified that I had been hand-selected for a transformative organization that was going to change the army. Robert was asked to join the 75th Ranger Regiment, one of the most elite fighting forces in the army. And when I was hand selected for this Ranger assignment, they were looking for one logistician and they viewed all the files of the young managers, the young middle level managers in the army that were logisticians and they selected my file. Who would have known that? So even though Robert was asked to serve as a logistician, he had to undergo training as part of the Special Forces to be ready to go into battle anytime and anywhere. 
after much prayer, we took this assignment, knowing that it was going to be very, very physically demanding and very mentally demanding. At age 32, I decided to, uh, to accept the assignment and go to be the only logistician in the most elite fighting force in the United States Army. Serving in the Ranger Regiment, Robert trained among the best and the brightest. This made him better at his job and helped him move up the ranks. But right when everything seemed to be working out for Robert, something happened that made him look to God again. I was at Fort Stewart, Georgia. This really is what allowed me to realize that God was in charge of my life instead of me being in charge of my life. Robert was ready to get promoted from a major, which is like a mid-level executive in the business world. And getting promoted in the Army was not an easy task. He says they were grouped with other majors and had to compete for certain positions and demonstrate their capabilities for service. Robert says he was a solid performer and was in good standing to get promoted to lieutenant colonel, but didn't expect what others would do to hold him back. My supervisor called me in, my boss and my boss's boss, and they looked at me and said, you know, Bob, you've done tremendous work but we're not going to assign you to one of these important credentialing assignments this year. We're going to hold you back and stay with us here, and we want you to be right here on our personal staff. We think that's what the, the division needs. This was a situation where Robert's bosses didn't want to let him go. Since Robert was good at logistics, his bosses wanted him to stay to support the operating team, so Robert's boss could take a promotion instead. He was going to leave. He's the leader. He's leaving to achieve his goals. And he's telling me, I'm going to stay to help the new man who, who's going to out. He's outranking me anyway, but I'm supposed to be there to make sure he's a success. And so, you know, they went on and they described it. And I asked them several, you know, I was very hard on them. I, I pushed back big time. How did you push back? I said, look, sir, the army in any organization, any professional organization, is about preparing your subordinates to accept greater responsibility. My job is to go down there and learn additional skills so that I can be prepared to take on and, and run these, these organizations later in my life. This is part of my career development. This is part of my growth. You've got to let me go so that I can grow. At the end of the day, Robert was still outnumbered, and he was not in a position to decide where he could work. So he had to stay where he was. It was tough. I was in my third. Uh, I had three small children at home. I was trying to be a good father. I was trying to lead them Christ-like life. My wife, she was holding it all together. I was working hard in the Army, and we were praying a whole lot about it. She knew that this was weighing heavily on me. I just couldn't understand why this was happening to me. And I had a Christian brother called me and we were talking. And he said, well, you know, Bob, you ought to read Psalm 75, four through seven. God does there, you know, in that Psalm, and I'm paraphrasing, God is the judge. He exalts one and puts down another. And I read that over and over and I thought to myself, I have been sitting here thinking that I'm working in a system, I'm working in a profession where man is in charge of my future. And really what this is saying to me is that even though I'm in a low season and I can't understand why this is happening, that God is in control. 
Robert began to accept what he couldn't change. It was the first time he started to see his career differently because he realized God's power was greater than man's wisdom. A few months later, his division was alerted by President Bush to go into Saudi Arabia to be part of Desert Shield and Desert Storm to execute combat operations. This was in 1990. Well, one day when we first got over into the desert, the commanding general came down to our location where we had all of the logistics leaders had gathered together from the entire division. There must have been a hundred logisticians around this, this huge map board of our Saudi Arabia and Iraqi area that we were operating in. And he came down and was asking questions. He was being very hard and very detailed in the questions he was asking, and it were very tough questions. And at first, my bosses were trying to answer the questions. And then, for some reason, I this is a God thing. He looked at the audience and pointed his finger at me, and he said, what do you think is the best way that we could conceive of how to support a major attack. Now, no one in that room had ever been asked a question like that. None of us had ever been confronted with a dilemma. How would you support a heavy armored division attacking at great speed across hundreds of miles of desert? And I think that God came upon me and gave me words that were technical, that were forward-thinking, that were conceptual, they were well thought out. I built a case where I thought we could do it through a series of miniature bases and forward operating bases that were mobile. And he looked at me and he said, you, sir, and he called me, sir. I'll never forget that. He was a two-star general. I was a, I was a major getting ready to make lieutenant colonel. He says, you, sir, well, you're going to come work for me. Within months, Robert found himself traveling with a commanding general as a senior logistics planner for a 30,000-soldier combat division. People were shocked that I, I leapfrogged all of them. I don't believe in luck. I believe that you have great fortune that God shines and, and you're prepared. I knew the facts. I became a student of my profession. I was a student of the profession. I knew how to calculate demand. I understood how transportation and maintenance and infrastructure, I knew, I knew how that all fit together. God prepares you so that when he puts an event in your life or puts a person in your life, you are prepared to do it. And I think that that's what happened then. I think that general came to me and pointed to me and he said, you, sir, are going to come and work for me. So was this the case that allowed you to become Lieutenant Colonel the next year? Absolutely, and I became a Lieutenant Colonel. I was an upper level executive and I was, I was being groomed for even more and more responsibility at that point. At that moment, Robert didn't know the responsibilities that were ahead of him. Let's take a break and we'll hear where Robert was when 9-11 happened, what it was like to be a three-star general and retire when he didn't want to, and how he gets the opportunity of a lifetime to transition into business. I wanted to take this break to talk about Manny Pacquiao. You probably know him as a world champion boxer, but he's also a senator of the Philippines, and he personally cares about sharing his faith wherever he goes. Manny and his wife, Jenki, were in Dubai to promote a new basketball league. 
but also made it a point to share their faith at Fellowship, the largest evangelical church in Dubai. Because having faith was so critical to turn Manny's life around. I used to a lot. I'm a drunkard, a gambler, organizing. That's why we always have trouble with my wife before. Before, that's what. <laughs> in the past, past way in the past. In the, past. the old money pocket was great and the new has come. Amen. So. Amen. So this is Manny, a boxing legend who works in an industry that hears insults all day and talks about beating other opponent. But here he is giving credit to God and speaking life-changing words to help others. Manny was addressing a large group of overseas workers. Sometimes, especially when you see a beautiful woman, then uh, you think something, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> if you're not strong enough, you'll say, oh, this is a beautiful woman. I want to get his, her number. I want this. Because <laughs> if you are strong with the, uh, with the word of God and you have relationship to God, you can see the woman, oh, it's beautiful. That's my sister in the kingdom of God. Ah. For Manny, being strong isn't about being able to knock someone down. It's the strength to do what's right, to resist temptation so that he can be faithful to his family. Don't think you're alone if you too are in a tough position at work. For Manny, he clung on to his faith to move forward. Welcome back. On September 11, 2001, Robert was leaving Montana from a training with other generals. He was on an executive jet on a flight back to Virginia. And our pilots told us that we were going to have to land in an emergency way. And that's when they ended up going to an Air Force base in Omaha, Nebraska. And we did not really understand. And my first picture of the Twin Towers was when I went into the base operations there after getting off of our executive jet. And they had on television. And both towers were burning at that point. And it was something that I'll never forget. Did you ever think you would join the army and our country be at the state of war? When I was a young man, I never dreamed of something like that happening in our country. When I became a father, I never thought that my daughters would have to grow up in a world that changed dramatically at 9-11. And I can remember uh, once I finally got home late that night on 9-11, I remember reflecting on my front porch that night. I don't know what responsibilities I'm going to have, but I'm just praying that I would be able, I would be able to apply my best professional and, and personal strength to the task and that I would be worthy of service. Robert was commanding general of Fort Eustis, a military base in Virginia with 23,000 people. He was responsible for supplying the troops with everything they needed overseas. Robert says he felt he was taking on an impossible task, but felt God give him the confidence to be strong and courageous and rapidly respond to wartime needs. By 2004, Robert proved himself worthy of service and was promoted to three-star general. In 2006, he was hand-selected to be the 15th director of the Defense Logistics Agency, also known as DLA. It's an agency started by President John F. Kennedy to provide supplies, service, and engineering to the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, doing so largely through contracts. The agency had a contracting value of $44 billion, so the bylaw requires a three-star general to serve as director. I took it over uh, during a period when the country was at war in Iraq and a war in Afghanistan, and I had to support both of those wars and make sure that our troops were supplied 
with all of the material that they needed to fight and to live in those austere locations. Is there something you felt like you were able to do to improve their systems during that time, a major assignment? Uh, We had a tremendously great dilemma when I became the DLA director to get fuel into Afghanistan, really having a hard time with the Pakistani economy, getting enough suppliers that were reliable, and then getting a transportation company to move the supplies into Afghanistan. Why couldn't you get it there? I'd been to Afghanistan many times and very tough country to traverse. You know, the road network is is very austere. And so uh, I came up with a system where we would contract with major suppliers for the final delivery to final location. We were demanding that we wanted suppliers to come in and uh, own their own transportation networks, which then paid them upon the successful delivery of the product to certain locations. So Robert made some changes in the way things worked at DLA. He passed the risk onto suppliers and improved the way they sourced for suppliers. We ended up identifying two major large suppliers in Central Asia, which we were able to solve that dilemma very, very quickly. It made it very easy for our our supported units to have fuel delivered to their locations and it, uh, it made a world of difference in their operational effectiveness. And it's something the Defense Logistics Agency uh, now employs. In fact, the difference that Robert made at DLA got recognized later on. In 2015, he was added to the Hall of Fame for what he did to support the agency at a critical time. And in 2008, Robert felt ready to be promoted to four stars and was in the running. I had been told by several of my senior military leaders, the current four stars at that time, and some civilian leaders in the Pentagon who would have a vote in selecting the next four stars for the Army. And I felt that there were two openings coming open that I was able to be considered for. And there were a couple of other officers to be considered as well. So receiving a star in the U.S. Army is kind of a big deal. For one, if you make it to general, it's the most senior in the branch of armed services. Less than one half of a percent of officers get the opportunity to be a general. Secondly, to receive a star or to get promoted is very competitive. It only happens as vacancies open up. And then there's a nomination and selection process. I had really done everything. There was no unchecked block in my career. And I felt like I was in a very, very good position. Well, when the selections were made, I was not selected. And so that meant that I would have to retire as a three-star. Because you didn't get promoted to four stars, you had to retire. Is that part of a policy? When you get promoted to three stars, uh, the Senate Armed Services Committee is the one that is appoint, uh, confirming your appointment. And you serve at the pleasure of the chief of staff and the government and the president for as long as you are in that position. So when I did not get promoted, I knew right away that I had already been a three-star general for four years. I had already exceeded the time 
that most three-star generals serve on active duty. So I knew I could either wait for the chief to send me a letter or that I could volunteer my retirement because I knew that I was not going to go uh, any further in the military. How did that made, make you feel? You know, you think to yourself, you're a professional. You're also uh, a Christian man. You believe that God has had a plan for you the whole time. And now you have not been selected for a fourth star. I was very disappointed personally. My family, who had lived this life with me, my three daughters, my wife, who had moved 30 times over 33 years into different houses and and temporary locations, they had paid a price and they were vested and they were disappointed. I had to contend with this. And I have to say that I went through a period of uh, about a month where I uh, couldn't figure it out. I, I, I was trying to use human reasoning to sort it all out in my mind. But through reading God's word, through going back over and, and rereading you know, some of my favorite Bible verses and praying with my wife and trying to you know, reckon it all out, uh, I came to the point where you know, God has had his hand on me and on my life for my whole life. You know, I'm not one of these guys that wants to sit back and rest. One of my favorite quotes by John F. Kennedy, he says, this country, United States of America, was not built by those who wanted to wait and rest and think about things that have already happened. And that's how I've always felt that spirit in me. There's got to be something for me to do, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to find out what God has for me to do. Robert says, after some reflection and a restful trip overseas, he felt re-energized to do something new at 55 years old. Within a matter of two or three months, I had several very lucrative offers from business. I selected one. It allowed me to establish a U.S. subsidiary, something that fit right in my wheelhouse. Robert chose a role at Supreme Group, an international logistics services company that supplies to defense, government, and commercial clients all over the world. Robert was familiar with Supreme Group because he had selected them as one of the suppliers to provide food contracts at DLA. Now, when Robert left the government as a senior official and joined Supreme Group in 2008, he had a two-year cooling-off period and was not in contact with DLA. Robert says he was hired to grow the business and to set up a U.S. subsidiary. You set up a company to run it for them. What, what was it like? Well, I think the first thing was when I came in, it was a very daunting challenge once again to establish a U.S. subsidiary, a company, all of the business structural actions that had to take place up on the front end, where I frankly uh, had no experience, but I applied myself, uh, got the best advice I could from people that I trusted, worked my way through that phase of it. How was it like for you to go from tenant general in the army to being CEO of a company? You know, I was a three-star general, but you're only a three-star general as long as you're really in the army. And I felt like when I made a transition, moving to the commercial industry side, where everybody calls them, uh, everybody by their first name, everybody goes business casual, I found it to be uh, liberating in a way to go in that environment and uh, operate not so much with statutory authority, which I had in the military, the right on my collar, 
but I was able to operate and be highly successful using moral authority. Moral authority coming from competence, my experience, uh, my knowledge of the customers that we were supporting, and my value system. If you're having to employ your statutory positional authority more than 10% of the time, then you're probably a pretty poor leader. Now, I, I run into my friends who used to be in the Army with me, and many of them general officers, who have not had as much success as I've enjoyed in my post-military career. And I think a lot of that is because they are still considering themselves generals. They consider themselves what they did in their professional life as defining who they really are in life. And I think that that makes transitions much, much more difficult. Robert says one of the most important things he did was get alignment from the start. It was a process that took about 90 days in a series of four meetings when he met with his boss to discuss expectations. He had asked me to, he was looking for somebody to stay five years. I told him I was looking to stay six years at a location. I wanted a relationship and not just a business setup. He said he wanted the same things and we became very, very good friends over the course of that five to six year period. He was looking for a return on investment against a commitment of $5 million in, in, in capital. I was able to return $400 million plus over those five years to him, which I thought was a very good investment. And he was able to help me achieve financial goals. And I think that was very important for us to have that relationship up front and set the expectation. Robert's performance got him promoted to be the global chief commercial officer at Supreme Group. He started to have responsibilities for overall company strategy and growing the business worldwide. He was at Supreme until he completed their agreement in 2014. Now, when Robert looks back at his early retirement in the U.S. Army, he sees how God had prepared it all in advance. Not him, not his planning. Well, when I didn't make fourth star, I didn't know how God was going to unveil his plan to me. But actually what he ended up doing because I retired at age 55. Why do you say that? Because you might have been older. People are going to look at you a little differently about how they might employ you. And I was able to retire at an age where I could get out and have energy and actually be in charge of something big and grow it. And uh, I may not have been able to do that had I stayed in the Army another four years and then come out at 60. I was able to have the time to not only run a company and establish a great reputation in the commercial industry area, but I was also able to have the time to be able to serve as a board member, which I still do today. Starting in 2009, Robert was contacted to join the boards of multi-million dollar companies like ADS, a supply logistics firm for the US military. Now Robert continues to serve on the board of directors for several prestigious organizations. So you're much happier where you are than being a politician. Absolutely. I'm probably <laughs> a terrible politician. <laughs> I would have probably not been a politician because in attempting it, I think God would have made it so untenable for me to want to be involved in that, that I would have probably not succeeded that anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't regret it at all. I, I just feel it tremendously blessed, you know, every day of my life. And I, and I always tell people that, uh, young people, that uh, you're not after, it's not, being happy is not your objective. 
having joy is your objective. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I have today. For Robert, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness changes depending on circumstances, but joy comes from an inner strength and attitude of trusting in God. And this attitude impacts Robert's view on his accomplishments in the military and in business. This is how Robert describes his legacy. I would say most men and women now in business, you know, they always want to rattle off, you know, what they've done. The title is this, this, this. is my, my legacy is not any of that. My legacy is that I had tremendous subordinates that I was able to help achieve their greatness. Whatever that was, you know, half the logistics officers that were leading the Corps when I retired had all worked for me. The many men and women that were my subordinates that I was able to mentor and help achieve their objectives. And so I always let younger people go and, and let them grow. And I think that your mentoring of young subordinates is the greatest legacy. And I don't know if you always see that today in business and professions, but I, I still think you can be very ambitious and go to the top of your profession. But you, you, have, to, you have to be mentoring others. You've got to be bringing people and allowing the people that are working for you and with you. You've got to bring them along. Robert was always naturally good at planning. His job in the military was planning how to get things from point A to point B. But he says when it comes to his career, no one could have planned it better than what God had done in his life. He couldn't understand why he didn't get into law school, but this major career turn got him enrolled in the military. He also couldn't see why his bosses would keep him from a promotion, but this period allowed him to experience that God's power was more powerful than man's wisdom. And this helped him as he moved up in his career. Robert also struggled to see why he didn't get a fourth star and had to retire at an early age. But this allowed him opportunities in business that he never imagined. It can be hard to know where your career is going when something doesn't go according to plan. But stories like Robert's show us that moments of uncertainty and change plans just might serve a greater purpose. So don't be too discouraged when things don't seem to go your way. It might just all be part of God working on us to have us trust Him more. This is Grace, bringing you stories that can revive your work week. Hope you have a blessed day. Faith Collides is hosted and produced by me. This episode is edited by me and Shina Lee. Audio mixing by Joshua Huang. If you like what you hear, please follow us and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.